You're listening to the one of us.net podcast network. Had a lot of digital noise episodes lately. That's not a bad thing. It's not. People are always like, "Man, we should like if you y'all had more often digital noises." I'm like, "Well, be careful what you wish for because <laughs> now you're getting them like twice a week. It seems like, but this will be our last one, but for like probably about two weeks because uh, I am about to literally tomorrow I start Fantastic Fest. Where I'm, when I'm recording this, you guys probably won't hear this till Monday. But I am joined by Aaron, who bravely. Pumped through all these movies in pretty much less than a week. Yeah, yeah I think it's right at seven days. I mean, it was a, a, a good little stack of stuff to watch for, for seven days. So you are a brave and, and noble hero. I'm not going to lie. I'm slightly broken, and I did finish a bottle of whiskey when we get to a particular set I'll tell you about. I believe that I believe you completely, uh, and certainly we are going to end the show with that big set because that one seems like it deserves a special uh, spotlight. But yeah, we are we are talking about, of course, Blu-rays and DVD reviews of recently released stuff. Uh, just a little house cleaning. Please click on those links you see of the images of the movies we talk about because that'll bring you to an Amazon.com page. And if you go to that Amazon.com page, you can buy that item and we get a nice little kickback. But let's say you get to that page and you go, you know what? I don't actually want that title. I want something else that's on Amazon. Well, as long as you start from one of our links, no matter what you buy from that point on, searching through Amazon pages, we end up getting a kickback. So use us for all your Amazon shopping. Just saying. That's your, I actually took your advice last time and set it up as my actual link so it runs yeah. through it. And congratulations, you are now getting kickbacks from the endless amount of uh, children's supplies I now buy. Nice. I'll take it from wherever. It doesn't matter. Uh, also, become a subscriber. That is the most helpful thing you could possibly do to keep oneofus.net strong and healthy and continuing to pump out stuff. Literally, that is why I am able to keep putting out as much stuff as we do. Why We've been having two digital noises a week because otherwise, I don't know what I'd do, quite frankly. I'd be that guy on the, standing by, by the, spot, the stoplight at the freeway as a will podcast for, for change. <laughs> and describing, and, I need to talk about movies. This is my outlet. There you go. <laughs> All right. With no further ado, let's get into the reviews. And although we're certainly going to go to some very genre-heavy, crazy stuff today, we're going to start with something a little more grounded, even though it sounds kind of like science fiction. It's actually absolutely true. And that is the HBO movie, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. Now, I was kind of shocked I knew absolutely nothing about this. I had the reverse. One of uh, our good friends a few years ago, back when we would go out drinking all the time, was this crazy alcoholic scientist lady. Okay. Uh, She sounds great already. You got me. She kind of is. And uh, she was doing her research thesis on laboratory mice and was telling us about kind of the background of the HeLa cells and Henrietta Lacks. And so I knew about 30 seconds worth of it, but yeah. still enough to be interested with it. Well, yeah, this idea, this lady in the 1950s named Henrietta Lacks, cause it'd be weird if it was, that was just some totally different person. Um, <laughs> she had cervical cancer and her cells 
uh, which were, are now and was later known as HeLa cells, uh, big H, big L, would become like cloned over and over and over and over again for the use of cancer treatments and like just this list of like things that they were helpful yeah, with. I think it's like tuberculosis, polio, cancer. I think it helped with HIV. Yeah, it's like, a. Like, it, the movie a, actually begins with here's a diagram of all the major illnesses and conditions that this has helped cure. And they were like apparently incredibly durable and prolific. They described them as immortal cell line uh, <laughs> that like they were they just became the standard in the industry for research. And the story really kind of takes years and years later as Rose Byrne is a journalist who is looking into this, going like, what is the deal with this and this thing with this woman who's nobody's talking about, really? So she decides to try and contact her, her, uh, her children, who are now quite elderly themselves, the main one being played by Oprah Winfrey, Deborah Lacks, who is a little Looney Tunes. She's <laughs> a little on the loony side, but she's also had a really rough life, as has, as she discovers, the entire rest of her family, uh, who have never received any credit for this, have never received any financial recompense for being such a huge part of medical history, and are some of them are quite pissed off about it and very reluctant Which, to, to even talk to anybody about yeah, it. Yeah, I think I would be too. Yeah. And it follows her sort of slowly finding out the story of this, this woman, Henrietta Lacks, and who she was and, and, you know, what her life was like. And this ended up being a very popular book that came out originally. But this adaptation, of course, being for a lot of people more accessible just because it's not the amount of time it takes to read a book, <laughs> is still a solid entry point into this really interesting story. Well, and for it not being a theatrical release, I mean, it's HBO, yes, but it ended up really coming across with really good acting across the board. This mm -hmm. is the first time I've ever seen Oprah Winfrey in anything. Oh, uh, and, and you need I, to go watch The Color Purple. It's yeah, so good. I, I, I know. So good. I know. <laughs> and I love Rose Byrne. But aside from the fact that occasionally I kind of felt the budget, yeah. uh, especially when they would cut back to some of the past things, the actual life of Henrietta Lacks uh, before she passed a cervical cancer, this ended up being one of the high points of the movies it gave me. Uh, I saved it to watch it with my wife. Uh, I totally got verklempt a couple of times while watching it. <laughs> and, uh, but um, it was really affecting. And the... The only thing that really bugged me, and this is such a nitpick, but there is a there's a time transition that happens at the end mm -hmm. that is, and I don't know if this is everyone, but to me at least, it was so poorly done that for a, the last four minutes of the movie, I almost thought it had gone from a real-life story about real people and real events to referencing heaven and it had all been an illusion. And right. I just it was sat a little there, confusing. I had to turn to my wife and go, wait, hold on. So what I'm seeing happen can't possibly be what happened. Is this what occurred or is this what they're saying? Because <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it did get a little confusing in the end, but it wasn't enough for me to want to throw it out the window or no, anything. No, no. It's, it's I think Oprah Winfrey's performance in this is so solid. So solid that, in fact, the MC at uh, Stephen Colbert at uh, the Emmys, like, shouted her out, like, man, it is, uh, it is absolutely a shame on the Emmy voters that she did not even so much as get nominated for well, this performance. And it was fun because so this movie is, like, the, I think it's the third movie in the past month and a half I've seen that have 
been low-key movies about uh, mental health issues where you go into it expecting one thing and then as you really get into the meat and potatoes of the movie you find out that it really is an examination on how this character deals with having a mental health problem and really going through their life and so that aspect of it seeing her be on point and together and then just that switch flips and all of a sudden she is losing control and she doesn't know what's going on and she's going into a manic phase. That was a really interesting kind of, it was an interesting journey to watch and it ended up even in the scenes where it was just a simple conversation really had you on the edge of your seat because you knew they're talking about something that could set her off. Yeah. It's a very positive representation of how to deal with someone who's that I suspect. I think they said she was bipolar. But I, like, I, I wasn't sure, but that's yeah. kind of what I inferred. But like, she's you know goes to extreme levels on a drop of a dime, and how like sympathetically exhausting it can be to try and yeah. be like everything you can to do everything right, and still at this point you're just like, oh my god, seriously? <laughs> Actually, what, there there's a sequence partway through where a character just quite frankly loses their patience. Uh, and had up until that point been done everything they could, like you said, to be understanding and supportive and watching that play out between both of them, both the character who lost their patience, realizing what they did, regretting it, but then kind of it was done. And then also watching Oprah go through the uh, reaction of having that happen. It was pretty involved and affecting. I, yeah, it was heartbreaking That, that, that was one of the Verklempt scenes. Because <laughs> you really are attached to both of those characters. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I thoroughly rec- recommend this movie. I thought it was quite good. And if you do get it on Blu-ray rather than just watching on HBO Go or whatever, there is a two-and-a-half-minute family featurette that are just little snippets interviewing the actual descendants, the real people these actors were playing, and then a, another three-and-a-half-minute piece that documents just where they were shooting on location. So it's not a lot of extra stuff there, but regardless, this does come highly recommended. As well, highly recommended by me, at least, I have no idea how you felt about it, was The Prison, a South Korean crime action movie. The idea here is... That we see this guy, we know that he was a police officer that has been disgraced, so disgraced, he's going to prison. He's going to the big house, not just the little <laughs> the little house, the big house. And uh, it, that's dangerous, first off, yeah. to be a cop going to prison. Well, but- and they even have, a, they even give him a special uniform, so the moment he walks in the doors... Everyone knows that he's either an informant or a cop or something. Right. And he tries to do the things you're supposed to do, like immediately punch anybody who gives you trouble <laughs> and everything. And nothing really is working out that great. But it's not long before he meets, sees who basically the king of this prison is, who's a relatively kind of seemingly soft-spoken type guy who just has flunkies fucking everywhere. And all the other gangs are subservient to this one guy. Uh, and he manages to find be exactly the right place at the right time to do the right thing to get in this guy's good graces and and get into, you know, basically be one of his number one flunkies. And it's not long after that you start to put together that, okay, so maybe this cop wasn't disgraced. Maybe he's in this prison because he took about the most dangerous undercover assignment imaginable. The part of the, as the movie plays out and we start seeing more is understanding, okay, but why would you do that? What's so serious or so for this guy 
that he would do that. And it has, you know, a lot of familiar themes with cop and criminals, the two main characters movies where like a cop going undercover where he you can tell there's part of him that kind of likes and admires this guy because he's. You know, very good at what he does. He's very generous with the people <laughs> under him until he's suddenly not. Uh, and he doesn't brook uh, uh, betrayal very well. So you, you, I'm glad you mentioned the twist. Yeah. So I mostly like this movie. Like, mm-hmm. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I would recommend it. Um, but it stopped short of me absolutely, like, loving it. Uh, partly that was because the, the twist that happens when you find out that he's the undercover officer... That's something that, I mean, I think it was maybe four minutes into the movie when I went, oh, I bet he's undercover. Right. And because it's a, it's a genre trope yeah. we've seen a lot. And I wish that they had moved that twist up where that wasn't a twist, but really it was more about the reveal of the why. Because that part was interesting and I, mean, I got into it. It's still relatively early it, in the it, film when they, they play their hand. But. And the other thing that actually surprised me was how much more dramatic this movie is than I actually expected. Mm-hmm. So w- when I read the plot description, uh, it it makes it sound like almost like an Ocean's Eleven type movie hmm. where they're breaking out and pulling heists and the first heist you see is super cool and then they flat out murder the people yeah. they robbed. And I was like, oh! Well, which is to say, yeah. Shit, like it, these it, are actual bad guys. He, this isn't like fluffy bad guys. Yeah, he realizes that this, you realize as you're watching that this and he realizes that the, you know, this prison, this guy has so got everybody under his thumb, that includes the warden and he is being let out of prison to con- commit crimes on the outside and then you know, basically bring the profits back. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, stuff you do, you really were expecting a straight prison movie and you're like, that's not what this is. And, and <laughs> there are some amazingly tense sequences where they're leaving the prison, coming back to the prison, where the cops are trying to find them. All of that was flawless. Like, it, this, uh, as much as I said that I didn't love it, it was a lot of fun, and yeah. I, I would definitely recommend people check this out. And uh, it's always fun to watch uh, any kind of South Korean movie, because I swear that they have their tense, violent drama down pat. They really well, do. Like, nobody does it like the South Koreans do. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And whereas I, I don't think it's like one of the best South Korean movies no. of this type we've ever seen, it's one of the best ones I've seen recently. Yeah, yeah, it was I, thir- fun. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It moves very quickly. All the performances are really strong. It knows exactly when to completely get you with being suddenly violently shocking and when to really get you with, like, you know, the slow reveals as we learn more about these characters and who they are and start to understand them, you know? And I really like the ending a lot because it's a brave choice for the very end. And I was like, huh, that I would not have seen coming. Yeah, I I agree. And I will say that the standout part to me was indeed, like you said, the bad guy. Uh, the, the the villain of the piece, the, the leader of the gang and who kind of rules the the, the prison, yeah, the, the, the king criminal or the crimson king. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is a, a you're doing a king crimson reference? <laughs> is that what's happening here? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know you were a prog rock guy. You got there. It took me a while. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know what else to say. It's, it, it comes highly recommended once oh, uh, again. And I think this is accessible enough that even people who don't have much experience with uh, the Korean film industry will like find this yeah. like something really to enjoy so, here. Interestingly, out of all the movies we saw, like there's another movie which we're going to get to pretty soon that I ended up liking a lot more, strangely, because it's not up my alley. Mm-hmm. But I think that this was 
actually one of the most accessible movies we saw. Like, Agreed. Like, I would recommend this to a lot of different people. It's it's tense. It's fun. It's involving. It's just an all-around good movie. Agreed. Next up, we have a much older film from Arrow Films called Eric the Conqueror. Uh, I, my head, when I saw them saying this was the title they were sending, I was thinking it was Eric the Viking. Me too. Which is a totally different type of movie, <laughs> yeah, So mind that you. happened twice to me this cycle, and this was one of them. Okay. Uh, but it is not. This is actually a 1961 action-adventure Italian film directed by Mario Bava. You know, the guy who's mainly known for, best known for doing horror and westerns. But this guy, throughout his career, he kind of did a little bit of everything. And, he, like, he didn't do a lot of the sword and sandal stuff, but this was one of, I think, two or three that he kind of slummed out. And uh, it feels, it's almost a mystery science theater type movie. At points, you're like, wow, this is... Like, it's almost there. One of those movies they would have loved, but it's just good enough that you can see why they wouldn't do it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so this was the movie I was talking about that I went in. I actually, this was one of the first I watched because in my mind, I, I like to save the better ones for last. So I'm mm. like, finish on a high note. And I, this was the second movie I saw and I was expecting it to be crappy. And I ended up loving the hell out Oh, okay, of great. Like, like, fuck. It's dated as all heck. Yeah. Like, so very much. Uh, if this were made today, it would be about an hour longer. Because there's... It feels like there's a whole sections of plot character development. They cut out because it's that tenth, Ten Commandments vein of movie making. <clears throat> where it, it feels more like a play that they do on screen. Although with random scenes of brutal violence. Like, mm. I think in the first two minutes you see... Uh, it was a a woman holding a baby, get a spear thrown at her, and you see it go through her and the baby. Yeah, yeah. And that was kind of a, I paused it and went, wait, wait, I did not just watch that happen. Let me rewind that. I mean, in case you forgot, this is a, also a horror director, right? <laughs> you know, he likes to throw his gore in there when he can. So, but, like, I don't know, I, I got really involved in the story. I loved the pageantry of the set design. It's like it, it it's very brightly colored. It's it's like, like uh, although I believe if I remember correctly there's a whole thing where this is essentially the exact same sets from another production from the from the same studio, but that was very common at the time. That would make sense like the the Viking camp that they go into. Actually, so let me just so the movie involves a Viking king who gets betrayed by the British in the beginning which that was weird as an American who doesn't know a ton about that era. I was period. like, is that something that happened? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And so the Queen of Britain finds one of the two Viking sons who was left behind by accident. Of the king. And, the of dead the king, king yeah. and adopts him as her son while the other son goes off to Viking land. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know where it was. Uh, and became one of their rulers of the clans. And so you kind of have the story of these two brothers as they go in and out and interact with each other. And it's Italian, so every single woman in the movie is the most beautiful woman you've ever seen. Very true. Uh, even a, a set of twins, which... It, it, and as a married man, I feel like I can say, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I, but um, And a set of twins, which, like, the moment you see him and you realize it's the story about two brothers who don't know their brothers, but both are going to encounter these women, you're like, I have a feeling they're both going to fall in love with oh, one yeah. of these twins. <laughs> and that will lead to confusion. <laughs> but, I mean, you, you can feel the datedness of it. There, There's a sequence on the high seas 
an action sequence where it's clearly just like two $50 boats that they have that just kind of moored each other. But yeah. they get their money's worth, but the sets... There's a. Uh, I was just waiting Vi- for Euron Greyjoy to show up. That's all. <laughs> I, was saying, like, I love that the Viking Kingdom has this giant epic. Uh, oh, and I just blanked on the actual legend from Thor, but this giant like world tree. Yeah, it's like a 800 feet tall. That, thank you. Yeah. That they're dancing around. And so I fell in love with all that. It actually that whole sequence up- had a so- had a sort of like this is a Star Trek episode you haven't seen. Yeah, feel too. <laughs> well, and, and I, I admit that that's part of my love of it. But like this flat out ended up being my pick of the week. Actually, oh wow, okay. Yeah, like I I had a blast. I mean, I'm normally I'm not the world's biggest fan of this type of period piece stuff. Um, not period piece, but like, you know, 1960s genre stuff like this. Uh, and this was better than a lot of the things that I've gotten like this. It certainly moves quickly. It's very colorful. Like you said, hotties about everywhere throughout (laughs) it, but overall, I'm, I'm, you know, this just isn't the thing that normally, excuse the pun, floats my boat, Uh, (laughs) but I get that why anybody would get a lot from this. And if you're at all a student of Mario Bava, it's certainly an interesting footnote to his career. That's not often talked about as much as his films like black Sunday or what have you, you know, And, and like, I have to admit it's for a very specific audience. Oh, like, sure. like I imagine Which is my, you. <laughs> my dad would love this, but I don't know. It, it really worked. And for, for it being a movie that came out, I, I assumed in the fifties, but in the sixties, it looks pretty darn good. Oh yeah. And they did a great job with the sound as well. Um, it's arrow. They, um, they pretty much across the board do as good a job as you can do with fixing up uh, the sound and video on these old releases. And I can't imagine this was in great condition when they, you know, with what they worked from. They have a special feature on it. That's it's, I put this in quotes, the alternate ending, Yes, which it's not really the alternate ending. It's the last four seconds of movie that they couldn't find a good enough quality film print. And just this random guy has, or it looks like it's a scholar. Yeah. It was a VHS copy he had of it. And, it, it, it is sufficiently ugly. I, I watched that. So. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look terrific, but it's like, just in case you want to see this last missing shot, it doesn't really add anything to the plot or anything. Nothing it, whatsoever. It's not like, oh, they were all aliens. <laughs> <laughs> no, they even say it. They're like, this is the last shot of the movie. It really doesn't mean anything, but we did it because we can. Yeah. Uh, there's an audio commentary by uh, Bava biographer Tim Lucas. Uh, there is a interview with Cameron Mitchell from 1989 audio interview done by Tim Lucas, which talks about him collaborating with Bob. I believe he was the cinematographer. I'm not hundred percent sure. On that. I, I don't know. So I admit, like I tried to get into Mario Bava a long time ago and I, I think I was expecting no, something more like Dario Argento. Okay. And so it's I not. really have avoided him this entire Bob, time. You should watch Planet so. of the Vampires. That's the one yeah. I always recommend. I'm like, it's so colorful and weird that it's really fun well, to watch. Actually, so after watching this movie, I, I kind of have made the decision now to go back and give another shot to Bava and watch those movies that when I saw them in college went meh. Yeah. Because I just wasn't in the right frame well, of mind. Taste for change them. as yeah. you get older, you know. And they're definitely not as crazy and flamboyant as... as uh, Argento is, yeah. who we'll talk about a little bit later. Okay. Um, yes. There's also a visual essay called Gil Imitori uh, by Michael McKenzie that compares this to a Richard Fleischer film called The Vikings and, uh, like you said, the original ending. So it's actually a really solid package for kind of an obscure little Bava movie that, like you said, Aaron found an enormous amount of fun. I apparently love the hell out of. Well, nothing wrong with that. All right, next up is a 
movie about movies called The Creep Behind the Camera, or as I like to call it, it's like Ed Wood, the underneath. (laughs) (laughs) I I spent most of the past week trying to explain what this movie was Uh to other people, and I, I finally... I think I figured it out, and you're probably just going to tell me I'm completely wrong. It's, it's basically it's essentially a documentary told entirely in dramatic reenactment. Well, yeah, it's kind of like like it's 95 percent dramatic reenactment yeah. with occasional people coming in, like talking heads of the real people in his life, going talking about stuff. And that person in question is this guy named Vic Savage. He was a director who, in 1964, made a movie that is often considered the worst movie ever made. And if you don't believe them, it comes included with this package if you feel like watching oh it. God, I couldn't bring myself to no, it. I've seen it before with Mystery Science Theater. The Creeping Terror. It's, it's incredibly bad, uh, which is this alien monster that, that basically just shows up and starts eating people. Now, the thing is, is that this is a guy... Who you you can't help but if you don't know anything about him you compare him with Ed Wood you're kind of like oh well he went had no budget he did the best took everything that he had and like found a way to throw it into the movie one way or the other the difference between him and Ed Wood is this guy didn't have any real passion for making movies per se and unlike Ed Wood he was uh, not a nice guy oh. Ed Wood was well known for being incredibly sweet and lovable Vic Savage on the other hand. Let's just say that his name, which was a pseudonym he took for himself, was quite accurate. He was a beat his wife. Uh, he was a rapist. He was a, uh, a thief. He was a he was just a criminal on so many levels. I don't even know where to get started. So I had uh, I, I had very mixed feelings about this movie, but uh, so I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Ah. Like it was really fascinating. Okay. Um, anytime they would go into his filmmaking process and the stuff weird shit he did and all like him stalking these random starlets or shooting yeah, uh, what's her name was it jane mansfield i can't uh, remember um one of them was lucy yeah lucio ball and i want i thought it was mimi jane, van doren mimi van doren yeah. yeah who he actually got caught breaking into her house <laughs> and uh or how he shot the guy who played um alf Alfalfa, yeah. In the hands. I, yeah. I'm assuming. Like, I'm assuming all the reenactments were were based on actual yeah. stuff. Yeah. But like, so that stuff was really funny, and I was laughing and enjoying it, and I I got that he was a bad person, but I was having fun. And then it would get into the segments involving his wife, yeah, or his kids, and and you just wanted to stop watching it. You oh. were like, you're just so creeped out by this guy. You're like, I feel bad that anyone even spent money making a movie about yeah, this like, guy. And, I almost, even though it in no way makes him out to be anything but the worst yeah. human being ever, it still almost felt like I was endorsing him by watching the story of his life. I agree. He's so sleazy. He has zero redeeming qualities. And I mean zero. Like, there's a point you're just, you just feel icky. You feel dirty even oh, watching this like thing. Like four different times. I it, basically, anytime it was him in his house with his wife, mm. I, I had to struggle not to turn it off. And it was good. I mean, there's that whole it was just the story. sequence not long even after they get married. Uh, like, he brings home a drunk starlet that he's going to fuck. And he's like, whatever. Do you want us to do well? Because she knows people and I got to fuck her because... She's going to help us. So stop being such a bitch. And you're like, oh, my God. And that's like the least of the shitty things yeah, he does which, to his wife. I mean, hey, 
Like, I, I don't necessarily mind the idea of a polyamorous relationship if that's what your cup of tea is, but, but no, that's no. not what was happening. He's yet. just flat out telling her, I'm going to fuck this other woman no matter what you in want. The, uh, in the next room. Yeah. And then does that a lot. Or, or Yeah. Oh. It's, it's just atrocious and difficult to watch. And it's not like that because of the way they filmed it it's or anything like that. It's just that who would want to watch that happening? Yeah. And it's, you know, this guy's story is ultimately like, you know, it's not a spoiler. He ended up dying not that much after he Which, finished filming it and had to disappear because there were too many people like after his skin for money and what have you. But... You're kind of like, fuck that guy, and I never, ever want to think about him again. Like, it got, I'm actually kind of grateful he's dead, because especially when it started to get towards the end, after he lied and told his wife that he was a Christian and yeah. had his kids for a period of time again, yeah, uh, I was like, I would kick the shit out of this guy if I ran into him. I don't care if he's an old guy right now. I, I hated him. Yeah, he's he was a real human monster, like no question. Just a guy who was straight up a sociopath and reveled in it. And, and so it, it made it difficult because, like, from a recommendation standpoint, it makes this movie super hard to recommend. Right, but at the same but, time, there's no denying it's a fascinating story and it's, about like probably the shittiest guy who's ever yeah. worked in Hollywood. But, like, <laughs> I, I think that my the people I know who are film geeks really get a kick out of this. The people who get the context or who who get off on watching all the weird shit that happened in Hollywood back in those days. And preferably if you don't have kids <laughs> yeah. or or don't care about a loved one because God, that stuff is triggering. Very difficult. And there's uh, audio commentary with the director, producer, and uh, two of the stars. There is, like I said, a 2K transfer of the original vault material version of The Creeping Terror, the original film, which, once again, terrible. I highly recommend watching it with Mystery Science Theater instead because okay. um, it's just that bad. Uh, there is a 25-minute making of The Creep Behind the Camera documentary. There is a 28-minute detailed video of the special effects team, how they made this version of the carpet monster that he uses in, in there. So if you wanted to make your own, I don't know why you'd want to do that, but if you did, here's how you do it. There's a whole bit that breaks down uh, with commentary and behind-the-scenes onset video how to uh, break down a death scene. Uh, there's um, the director, very under a minute, pointing out some of the hidden homages to classic monster movies that he threw snuck into here. There is a bit with one of the actors in the film, writer, talking about uh, uh, just having a conversation, basically, uh, as between interviews. There's 11 and a half minutes of deleted scenes. There's an alternate ending. There's a Q&A uh, at Screamfest with Frank Conniff from Mystery Science Theater being the uh, the moderator, although it's very clippy. It's very in and out. It's not yeah. just the thing recorded, which I, you know, almost you know, I mean, I'm sure we didn't need to see the whole thing, but at the same time, I'm more interested in hearing Frank Conniff than I am the <laughs> filmmakers. Who TV's Frank, man. He's, by the way, if you don't follow him on Twitter or Facebook, he's one of the funniest guys. Oh my god. Actually, thank his, you. I need people to follow. His stuff is a riot. And then the original trailer, and then the, uh, the Scream Fest promotional trailer for it. So it's actually a shit ton of stuff for a relatively small release, but this was put out by Synapse, uh, who was uh, putting this out 
Uh, at the same time as in a, another movie I've mixed up, the last movie we're going to talk about is actually the other Synapse movie. So instead of that, we're going to talk about the other horror set, the one that he was threatening Aaron over here earlier about how he is now an insane person because he watched all five movies in a <laughs> row of the Phanti- Phantasm franchise DVD collection. Now, it's not the first time it's been collected into a DVD set. The, what this is essentially is this is the cheap and and cheap version of it where they're all on a sing- single spindle it's all just the dvds yanked from the yeah. other boxes yeah. there's nothing new the dvds you didn't even have the temerity or the the beauty to give me the blu-ray versions they didn't send me the <laughs> blu-ray versions I, I, like i said because this is the 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 cheap and uh the the, the cheapy version yeah. basically that they trying to make an extra dime and if you're somebody like i want to have all these but i don't need to spend a shit ton of money on the phantasm movies it would just be fun to have in my collection this is really the one to get because, I mean, they're fine. They're fine DVD copies. And if you've never seen the Phantasm films like Aaron hadn't, prepare yourselves. These are five movies and there's also novels and comic books and other shit on the what? side if you really feel like following it really? up further. Uh, made by the, the uh, wonderful Don Coscarelli, who a lot of people probably know better from some of his other movies. Like, what was the one where uh, Bruce Campbell plays oh. El- an old Elvis? Bubba Hotep. Bubba Hotep, yeah. But Phantasm was definitely his sort of big shot across the bow. Everyone's like, wow, who the fuck is this guy? Because this movie is freaking weird. Like, weird with a double underlined capital W weird. Yeah, I keep waiting to see if you're going to try to explain the plot of these movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to go there. I mean, the first movie... Phantasm. A bunch of people in a small town are dying in strange ways. And this teenage kid named Mike starts, like, look, you know, as teenage kids in horror movies do, starts poking around and he starts seeing something weird with this tall, elderly mortician that they refer to as the tall man who is showing up in weird places. And he starts realizing this guy has been killing people. And then reanimating their bodies as shrunk down zombie Jawa looking guys. Like if Jawas fell into an acid pit. They look so much like Jawas. They do. Uh, So he ends up, after convincing them this is all true, getting help from his older brother Jody and their friend, the local ice cream man, Reggie, who, believe (laughs) it or not, is like the only guy who's in all five of these movies. Yeah, he he is the bald, long-haired, ice cream vending, little bit overweight, a little bit older. A little bit overweight. Low-key main character of the fan- yeah, Phantasm total, franchise. Total, which, like, what cre- the hell? Creepy scammer guy, you know. You oh, look, he is pervy. Yeah. Um, but they work together to destroy the tall man while he avoiding the Jawas and these really cool flying silver spears that he uses as weapons. All right. So, I say all that and you have no clue how weird this movie really is. It gets into, like, other dimensions and just fucking like I don't know what I just saw, but it was kind of cool stuff. Yeah. So if there was ever a movie that on paper is right up my alley, yeah, it's Phantasm. Yeah, and so since we're going to talk about the whole series, I don't mind spoiling it a little bit. So like, it, it ends up that the bad guys are either interdimensional or interplanetary. I still am not sure. Yeah, aliens who are. Stealing the dead to use as slave labor. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, so I got that. That sounds badass. Like, already I love that movie. It takes place almost entirely in a funeral home slash crypt, which is weird, but kind of cool. The problem I had with Phantasm is that I 
kind of despised the two main characters. Oh, yeah. They're not, like, wildly likable. No, for sure. like, you're not like, watching this movie because you like those characters, this series. You're watching it because of how outrageously weird it is and keeps getting. Well, and, like, until it goes past the, you know, until it goes past the point where it's even making sense well, anymore. And, and I'm not going to go into details about the ending because you need to see it to really see it. But right. it, it has a s- such what-the-fuck ending that... I was convinced I had missed something. Like, maybe I had walked away and forgotten something because there's a character who dies, who comes back, and then there was a character who I thought lived, who's now dead. And yeah. It's a lot what? of stuff like like they're in some sort of dream cycle a lot in this thing where often they're like things didn't happen because that was just stuff the tall man put in your head that you, you didn't really happen. So, oh, I didn't get that. Which is very nice. For the writers who can, they go well. We don't. We're going to do something different, so we'll say that never happened. Which they literally say, "Yes, that never happened." At points on here, the tall man made you think that happened. But, but, but um, then you have the balls, which, <laughs> silver balls, which are flying yeah, yeah, silver, balls. flying silver balls, which is in like only one sequence in the first movie, right? But oh my god, what a sequence! Yeah, and, and so yeah, basically they kill you in the goriest, most nasty, it's, horrible. I have a relatively high pain threshold when it comes to gore in movies, and even I was got struggling squicked. to cut. Yeah, I was like, yeah, but now don't you I, totally I want a replica one? And, and I did like my hand shaking, like, oh, and yes, I totally want one. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Phantasm Two picks up right where the last one takes off, using a, a, some uh, footage, extra, a little bit of extra footage left over because they filmed this many years later, uh, as you can tell. Um, because the characters are clearly older, although the character Mike, I believe in this one, was played by a different actor. Yes, and al- so. Although the same actor returned for the other sequels. Uh, he's, um, it, but it starts eight years later. Mike is a mental patient, having nightmares about this, and he seems to be the only person who can remember what actually happened. And when he's let out, uh, he starts having dreams about Reggie's family, which is the long-haired guy. He tries to warn him about it, and they end up Basically becoming the brothers from Supernatural and driving around the country in their awesome black muscle car with the back full of weapons trying to track down the tall man as he one at a time decimates towns on so, his path of destruction. This is my favorite of the Phantasm movies. I think this is probably Far the best one. Yeah. Um, although, uh, because there is, uh, there is that aforementioned character who in the first movie dies on screen but then isn't dead. Yeah. I spent the entire film going, when are they going to turn bad? When are they going to turn back? Clearly, this is like a plant. Nope, does does not happen. It, it yeah. literally did just never happen. Yep, they and, do that in almost every yeah, movie at you, least once. You, you get to see more giant floating. They're not giant, but floating well, silver. A lot more. Action. Who now have like other things they can do, which is so cool. It, yeah, it, I, I can't remember if it's this one or the next one where it comes out of someone's skull and it like yeah, that's three. I think. Oh yeah, okay, well, where it we'll, turns. We'll talk about that yeah, in a yeah. moment. <laughs> but um, uh, you get to see a lot more. Action, a lot more of the Death Jawas, which is one of the... A lot more of the other dimension. Yes. Like, you actually go more into the other dimension and learn more about the other world. And they they start a plot, which I really wish they had followed with the series, where it seems like not only are the interdimensional slash interplanetary aliens uh, trying to, like, steal our dead to... Minute to jawize them, yeah, and should use them as slave labor. But it seems that they're kind of low key, just depopulating or invading Earth, right? Because they just come upon town after town that's ruined and dead, and it feels 
almost like a The Walking Dead. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it definitely has like more of a like the whereas the first one didn't as much. This is more of a this is an end of the world scenario yeah. when we first start looking at it. a theme that continues and gets like. More like, I think we're losing this war as the series goes yeah, on. And, and I will say that uh, I had a friend watch this one with me who absolutely adores kind of weird, shitty, but fun 70s, 80s horror movies. Mm-hmm. Tr- already at Phantasm 2, trying to explain the plot was <laughs> yeah. uh, his only... After I kind of explained everything that happened, he went, so, so this is a series of movies in funeral homes. <laughs> I was like... Hey, hey. Yeah, yeah kind of, Except actually. Except for the ones that couldn't afford to film in funeral homes. <laughs> uh, moving on, Phantasm Three: Lord of the Dead, the first one that actually has a secondary title there. Once again, picks off right at the end of the last one, generally is the thing that these movies do, uh, where the tall man has gotten inside the heads. Uh, by the way, played by the incredible and sadly just recently passed Angus, Angus Scrim, who apparently was the sweetest, kindest nicest guy you could imagine well, that's how like, it goes great sense of humor everybody loves him like and you're like he is the cre- one of the creepiest actors to ever be on screen i'm convinced that the scarier creepier and more nasty you look on screen the nicer you better are chance you're gonna life. be a good guy whereas yeah. on, on the other side of it like <laughs> you're like brad pitt's probably a douche <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's he's gone inside their head and which leads a, to a lot more of sort of like Things where they're not, it's, they're never really clear if things are happening, if they're real or not, because they realize they're kind of infected by him. And on this journey, uh, they, they're just finding out, like, man, this apocalypse is happening apace, because town after town is already dead, uh, leaving now zombies instead of just Jawas, which are, like, people who are, they're basically just zombies, you know, they're, yeah. like, for extensive purposes, who, who come after them. Um, and along the way, they hook up with several people, including a shit-talking black lady right out of, like, a black exploitation oh movies God, from yes. the 70s, uh, who, of course, because that's what Reggie does, ends up sleeping with her, regardless which, of her protestations well, earlier. Say, this begins the series staple of women... The only way I can describe it is board fucking Reggie. Yeah. Where they say no, they say no, they say no. He and pushes, finally pushes, they're like, oh, for like, fuck's sake. You know, why not? I have nothing better to do. I think in this one it was a dream sequence, though, wasn't it? I don't know. I couldn't tell. It's hard to tell. So I have to but, admit, so, like, so with one, I, I watched it. I was paying a lot of attention. I was very confused. With two, I just kind of embraced the cheesy. This is when the fever dream nature of watching them day after day after day kind of started to add up yeah and they all started to bleed together and i just kind of started to lose my mind i i mean this is the point where the the series goes from wow that's pretty insane to okay this is completely insane but three is still fun i will say too three has my favorite character murder boy murder boy yes (laughs) who, who shows up and with no warning just brutally as brutal as you've ever seen murders three people. Like, yeah. Axe in the head, cutting throat, shooting, and is the most fun character, I think, in the entire series. Oh, I completely agree. And, uh, I mean, I like shit-talking Black Lady, too, but, you know. This, I, but that's why I think this, is, this movie's really good, because those two side characters are so much fun in this movie. It, it also has the audacity to pull an Alien 3 <laughs> and kills off the... Uh, kind of central one of the central characters of mm-hmm. two off screen in between the movies right like, and oh where did that character go 
oh, look, there they are on the ground with half their face gnawed off like, yeah. in the first five seconds of the movie. Which, let's not forget, in this series, no one is ever really dead. Yeah. Or they just become something else. But they can... I, we'll get to that when we talk about the next one, which is Phantasm Four Oblivion. Now, this is where this movie series goes off the rails. Which isn't to say there isn't stuff in 4 that is still kind of cool. Because this is the one where we actually get to see the origin of the tall man. Yeah, Who is which, this guy? Where, where, where cool. did he start? As... Uh, uh, Mike is uh, still running from the tall man. For some reason, Tim, Murder Boy, has totally disappeared, never to be mentioned again, uh, which is a real shame. (laughs) Which is actually another trend in this movie series, I have found. And now for the first time, we found out the tall man specifically is deeply into Mike. He's like, we don't really know why, but he's like, dude, I'm not going to kill you right now because... I have better plans for you, which are always kind of vague, but okay. Yeah, I, I was so that that's when I started to get really confused with the movie series because it he kept, it felt like Mike was something special, yeah. But at the same time, it also felt like no, this is just what he does to everyone who he's after. Well, it's, like, I mean, it doesn't seem like he does though. It seems like it's just Mike, and this is where you get into the whole thing with like where you can. Put balls inside people's heads, and yes, then which, if, if you're Mike, you get superpowers from it. And so I'm not sure that seems like a bad plan for the tall man from the get go. But I think his idea was he will be another person like me. Well, and, like and there's a sequence at in one of the movies. Uh-huh. I can't tell you which one it was. Um, <laughs> they do where, kind of bleed together. <laughs> where uh, a a woman falls down dead and then like the top of her head pops off and there's all these little explosions and then a ball comes out. That was awesome. Yeah. And then conversely, there's also another scene where a woman pulls off her top and her breasts are balls, <laughs> yeah. which was such a weird effect yeah. that the entire scene played out before I realized it wasn't a dream sequence. Right. I know. I was like, like oh. You're, He's going to wake up and she's going to be naked and they're going to have the awkward sex. No, no, no. this is real. Uh. You're waiting for that. Yeah. Because yeah, you're like, of course that's going to happen because this is too bizarre to be real. <laughs> but nope, that's the type of series we're talking about. And for all we know, in the director's head, he was like, no, that li- I was planning on later that would end up not having been real. I mean, who the fuck knows? Uh, but Mike, with his powers and his sense of understanding now, has figured out how himself to traverse between dimensions. So he goes back in time to find the man that basically became the tall man. Well, so who used to be just a normal guy who invented interdimensional uh, uh, transport back in, I don't know, but what a fuck time, 19, yeah. 1876 or some shit. I don't Using know. Using harmonic frequencies it, of dead people in a funeral. Yeah, was, is that the first time that it got into the thing with the tuning fork where you can use that as a weapon? I couldn't remember. Yes. Okay, because yes, yes, yes. all of a sudden, the tune, if you, you hit a tuning fork, that'll make the spheres blow up. Yeah, apropos of nothing, yeah. that was not set up in the previous one. I mean, well, Reggie is looking for him, going dimension to dimension as well, um, including the ones in his girlfriend's breasts. And, uh, and then we get to Phantasm Ravager, which is really the only film in this series I would say is so terrible that I just can't. I can't even recommend it as a bad movie watch. Watch. It's just, I can't honestly tell you what happened in this movie. Uh, Reggie is the main character. Like, it, sometimes it seems like he's actually, like, Mike and Jody are still alive and he's like a crazy guy in a mental hospital. And other times it seems like maybe one of them is in a mental hospital. And then other times he's just on the hunt. And, like, he's just 
popping so back and forth between alternate realities that it's impossible to follow this storyline. I will say, though, it made me laugh out loud that there's at one point, like, basically New York City or some big city is being attacked by, like, you know, giant Independence Day-sized, like, <laughs> metal, the, the metal silver balls. And I was like, okay, that's kind of funny. And, uh, oh, man. So, Ravager... <laughs> One, it took so everything hard. in my power not to just start messaging you. Fuck you, man. Uh, I told you. <laughs> I even told yeah. you not to watch this. But you one. know what? So I, I had a work from home day and was able to like <laughs> power through and ended up watching. Good God, the last twenty minutes of three, four, and five, like all in one day. Did not realize I was doing it at the time. This is the movie that got me drunk. Yeah, uh, I made it to. The the first kind I think it was the first no second on screen death and it was so out of left field that I just I paused the movie got up and poured myself a, a whiskey and finished smart. about a quarter of the bottle by the end smart move smart move and so uh, I just I I don't even know what to say about so this like, movie. Uh, it's so unbelievably I, scattered and all over the place, which is like comparing this to the other Phantasm movies. This is scattered and all over the place. So it's the first one that Don Coscarelli wasn't making. Yeah, he, also, he was a producer and was involved in story, but yeah. he did not direct like, it. Or you or, can tell that the budget's gone because this went from feeling all four of the first movies. I couldn't tell you when they were made. They all feel like late seventies and early to mid eighties weird horror films. Yeah, which is impressive because apparently they were made after several years. Mm-hmm. Ravager feels like a. Shitty gore splatter fest college thesis project. It really like, does. The effects are horrible. It's just. I mean, how are the effects in this movie when they should be by all means with like the uh, you know better? How are they so much worse than the effects in any of the others? Like it's they cheaped out and use CG stuff whenever possible that looks like shit. It's like if you're going to go cheap and use CG, you have to make sure that you do the best job you can with that CG, or it just looks like garbage. Otherwise, it's better just to spend that little bit of extra money and go with practical. Yeah. You know? I don't get how it's both the cheapest movie with somehow the biggest scope. Yeah. And it just... I I don't have a single good thing to say about Ravager, no, unfortunately. Whereas I... There's Not one. Even 4, which is the weakest of the of the original 4, has still got really good things yeah, in it. There are cool Or, or at least things that are fun you know? to watch. Yeah. Like, you know? There are segments where I'm like, oh. And, and I, I said this to you before. I said this to my wife. I love the fact that the main character of the Phantasm series is a balding guy with a crown of hair down to almost the small of his back, running around, perving on every woman on screen. Like, just, I love that that's the main character in a franchise. Yeah. But, no, that's, I, so. It's it's such a weird series. There's nothing else like it. And I think everybody needs to give it a try because I know – I mean I love the shit out of the first three movies in the series because there's – like I said, they're so absurd, but they're just so filled with things you would never have thought to do. Like just so much neat stuff, so many neat ideas. They're a mess, but they're a really hysterically okay. fun mess. I'll give you that they there are a lot of great ideas here. Yeah. I just it, – it never ended up working for me. I, I will say that if you love that 80s – Batshit weird whores. Give them a shot. Skip Ravager. There's no reason to ever watch it. No, no. Pretend and, it ends at four. And if you if you live in a state where it's legal, get really high, <laughs> like really high, 
And you'll really enjoy these movies, I bet. I suspect. Maybe not Ravager. Yeah. I was pretty drunk when I saw Ravager the first time, and I was like, no, no. No, no, not Ravager. There is nothing that can make that better, I don't think. All right. So let's move on to another movie. This is a a, a movie. I thought we were watching the old movie with Boris Karloff when I got this copy, which just said The Ghoul. And I was like, oh, that's I've never seen that. I've always wanted to see that. I thought it was Ghoulies. Oh, God. (laughs) I would have been happier to see that. This movie is a recent film, little indie horror uh, or thriller, you know, thriller that had really strong reviews from the festival crowd. And I was bored out of my fucking mind watching this thing. I'll be honest. I really had a hard time getting all the way to the the end of this. You mean the ending that I don't know about you, but I called five seconds into the movie. Uh, Yeah. yeah. So I, I I mean, um, it's, it's, did not like this movie at all. I, I did. I did not either. And it's one of those films that's trying to be mind bendy, a puzzle film, and you could not care less. When it well, starts, it is London cop Chris, played by Tom Meaton, is being called to a gun uh, a crime scene where it looks weird because the, there are two gunshot victims who came towards their assailant, who is they don't know who that is. Uh, who, as near as they can tell, kept coming towards him after they had been shot repeatedly, which is, of course, kind of strange. So he's like, well, that's weird. Uh, And he decides that there may be a connection to a local psychotherapist. He decides to go undercover as a patient to investigate further, uh, which, of course, feels a lot like that movie Shot Corridor, which I fully recommend, but you... is, is a is a great fucking uh, Samuel Fuller Sam Fuller movie if I'm not mistaken, great movie, uh, and he's Alice Lowe who is is wonderful. She's been in a lot of like movies you know her from. The one that hopefully everybody will get, get to see soon that I saw uh, a couple months back is Prevenge, which is amazing. Was she's she like, writer uh, director star and nine months pregnant the whole time? Was she the and I put this in quotes love interest of the movie? No, no, she was the one who was like best friend type of thing, brunette best friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I, I, I thought she was maybe a love interest for him, yeah, but then he it kind didn't. of was obsessed with her. But yeah, then it didn't really go there. Um, and as it goes along, you're like, okay, so is he actually a cop? Yeah, or is he like just a, a crazy person seeing a a, a therapist? And it wasn't long before I was like, you know what? I don't give a fuck. Yeah, because ultimately, the the fact that he is investigating anything has zero bearing on this movie. Yes. Aside from the opening sequence, which I'll admit, like, that sounds intriguing. Yeah. Uh, it's basically about a depressed guy going through therapy. Yeah. And, and now, half the sequences in here, here are him waking up. Or just looking confused at nothing and doing nothing. Yeah, like, like it, it, it literally never mentions that he's a cop again for the rest of the movie. Yep. Now, like, I'll admit, like, so there are two therapists that he sees in the film. Uh, the second one is this kind of pseudo intellectual guy who's into cyclical nature and he's yeah uh, has a spell on his wall and he's yeah. very magnanimous and fun. Any scene with him in it. It's like, okay. Brightens it up a the, little yeah, bit. The, I'm this, like, can this we... makes no sense, but he's fun. Can we leave this main character and just follow that guy? Because he seems like he knows how to have a good time. Yeah. And, <laughs> and very much like... So about 10 seconds into this movie, I went, oh, well, clearly X is what happens. Yeah. And as I watched the movie, I kept going, you know, I really hope that's not what happens. I really hope that's not what happens. And of course, that's what happens. Oh, yeah. And it's just... 
this is just a waste of a movie. Oh, I agree. It's like there's no, there's nothing that's going to surprise you here except how boring this movie actually is. Oh my god, it's so dull. I can't. I don't see what people saw in this. I mean, it's it wants to be something like Memento or something, and it's not. Because, quite frankly, there ain't shit happening through 95% of it. Like, I'm going to go ahead and call it. If they, if this movie actually had a component where he was investigating someone and that was in any way part of the actual movie, I would have probably enjoyed it. Or if it had done a thing where, okay, maybe he's a crazy person, maybe he's a cop, but it kept flashing back to him being a cop yeah. and doing stuff where you're like, is he dreaming that or is the or yeah. not? But you're like, uh, yeah, you spend the whole movie waiting for him to be a cop again. And you're like, okay. So now he's just a really boring guy. Actually, by the end of the movie, I was sitting here going, is he not a cop? Maybe maybe his friend just, like, recruited some random drunk guy to use to investigate this therapist. But even his friend doesn't seem to really be a cop either. Yeah. Uh, I I didn't get it. Well, enough on that. I'll just say (laughs) that there's a 36-minute... In-depth interviews with a lot of the actors and director here. Uh, there is a 2013 short film that's about nine and a half minutes with a lot of the same cast and crew that, I'll be honest, I couldn't bring myself to bother to watch after this movie. Oh, I was yeah. like, I'm not sure I want to watch anything else by this guy. Uh, and then a commentary. Yeah, okay, whatever. I, I give this my, my anti-pick of the week. Absolutely. <laughs> Avoid it at all costs. Uh, we're going to finish up with a movie that is one of those films that, like, even among fans of the director is very divisive uh, of people either think it's his very best or think it's actually of his early to mid period. One of his worst. And I actually fall into the latter. I don't think phenomenon is one of Dario Argento's best movies. And some people, wow, they will get angry and violent over the suggestion that it's not. <laughs> so I'm like looking at Aaron all nervously. Yeah, no, is he no, going to be that no, guy? No, um, I, I think that this is, it's not a, good movie but it's enjoyable there's stuff about it to enjoy i mean first off very young jennifer connelly one of her first roles who of course is this beautiful young girl who already although definitely not at the top of her talents at this point she's so bad at this is, is still you can tell she's got a lot of charisma you know you're like okay that's that's something right there you've got uh oh what's his name from halloween uh uh donald pleasance donald pleasance playing a Scientist who's really into bugs. What do you call it? Entomologist, I think. And, yes. Who's in a wheelchair, of course, because you know you have to mention, of course, his friend slash butler, the the chimpanzee. Yeah, he's was... got a he's got a awesome <laughs> butler. Like you're like okay, um, which is definitely feels at points like Argento having a little fun with Edgar Allan Poe, maybe even like oh, in a weird God, sort of I way. I have no idea. Uh, Daria Nicolodi, who of course was his long time uh, collaborator and wife for a long time as well, has a small role in this. Um, it's the story basically is not entirely dissimilar to Suspiria, which is about a billion times better, which is a young American girl ends up uh well we the first thing we see is a young local girl who's running around looking for help and she is horribly murdered by a stranger we don't see total giallo side with the black gloves and all that stuff yeah. because that's what you do argento is a, and he shoots it well of like, course he's a great murder he, nobody has shot murders better than <clears throat> dario argento uh but then jennifer Connolly shows up she's uh 
the daughter of a very famous and wealthy actor who's apparently shoving her off into this academy in Switzerland for girls that's chaperoned by a very harsh German mistress. Um, <laughs> like I said, it feels a lot like there's a lot of elements here from Suspiria um, where she forms a friendship with her roommate, but then her roommate starts noticing that she's been sleepwalking and like from there, it goes into this wackiness where it looks like she's got a psychic connection to insects or she can, like, control them and everything. And the sleepwalking, she witnesses murders during it. Oh and God. so the murderer decides then he has to kill her. And, I, you know, it's, it's not like you can't understand the things that are happening in the narrative. They're just kind of absurd to the point that it's hard to connect with them. And none of them are particularly creepy to me. Some of the yeah. killings look cool. But, you know... I just, I had a hard time really connecting with this. And one of the things is, yeah, Connolly, who turned into one of our great actresses, did not start as one of our great actresses. She was just, had that weird ethereal beauty to her, you know? So, like, this was the first movie I watched because uh, I've seen some Argento. I've never really sat down and watched a lot. I found that I actually really enjoy his early giallo crime movies mm-hmm. more than i like oh, wow. when he got into the absurdist stuff like you like four flies on gray velvet yeah. and bird with the crystal plumage i bird of the crystal plumage is still one of my favorite movies mm-hmm. of him you should watch a uh, tenebrae which is a little later but that's like his return to the more classic giallo stuff and i think that's i mean that it's to, well, neck and neck with suspiria for me for his best movie but like where it's not supernatural as opposed to suspiria so I'm trying to figure out how I could think of this movie. It's three different movies kind of in one. Yeah. Uh, One is the Giallo murder movie. Yes. One is a drama about the daughter of an American actor living in a foreign boarding school who, by the way, in the creepiest thing ever... Her roommate wants to fuck her dad so hard. It is a little creepy. That's so weird. It would have been creepier if the dad had shown up and they started flirting together. <laughs> Which could have happened. Yeah. Uh, it felt like then, it was going to happen. And then the third movie is a superhero movie where she gains, as you said, the ability to communicate and command insects through sleepwalking. Yeah. And not to say that she has the ability when she sleepwalks. She flat out states that sleepwalking gave her this ability. Yeah. And unfortunately, the movies, they're pretty much separate movies. Just I mean, they take place in the same screen time. And with her with talking to her Professor X, which is Donald yeah. Pleasance in the wheelchair, <laughs> who all met my oh favorite... Oh my God, I never put that together. He is in a wheelchair. <laughs> my favorite scenes in this movie are when the two of them are together. Agreed. Like, because you also happen to have a chimpanzee running around the whole time. So, you know. that's uh, But yeah, you're like, oh, those scenes are really cool. And it feels like it's leading up to a better big showdown, a cooler thing to have happen. But... I just by the end I was like, yeah, that was okay. Well, and so it's it's super silly. Like the the first the first dream sequence, she she somehow walks onto a balcony. Not dream sequence, sorry, sleepwalking. Yeah, she walks onto a balcony, witnesses a murder. The balcony collapses underneath her. She falls off the balcony, tears down a trellis, walks into town, gets hit by a car, gets to almost gets raped by some locals. <laughs> I couldn't tell if they were trying to help her or yeah. rape her. Yeah, it was very <laughs> unclear, but they felt kind of rapey. Yeah, then she falls out of the car, rolls down a hill, gets rescued by the aforementioned chimpanzee, <laughs> and then wakes up. Yeah. 
Uh, and it's like, all, what does it take to get you out of bed? This is like trying to wake up my wife in the morning when her <laughs> alarm goes off. I'm like, honey, your alarm's going off. <laughs> honey, the alarm is going off. Oh my god! <laughs> so the other thing that happens, and so, I, like I said, I'd seen a few of Argento's movies, and I didn't realize this was a thing he did. Is random sequences will be cut to heavy metal, mm-hmm. and so yeah, I, and this one in particular uses well-known bands, which is less... He didn't do that as often. Also, I, one of the other movies I've seen of his that I kind of enjoyed, but mm-hmm. acknowledge it's also not a good movie, was Opera. Oh, I like it's, Opera. I, I, I do, too. It's, yeah. It is fun. I enjoy right. the heck out of it, but it's also like, okay. Yeah. And it also has this thing where it will... Anytime there's a murder sequence, it cuts to random heavy metal. Yeah. And... I didn't put two and two together until I looked it up and realized that he made this and then made opera that clearly this was a phase. Right. Except whereas in opera, it cuts to heavy metal whenever he's doing the murders. It's a stylistic choice. Here, it just kind of cuts to heavy metal randomly. Yeah. Like there's a sequence where it cuts it's, to the metal it's and awkward. it's like, oh, clearly this is going to be a major thing happening. Nope, it's just her using a closed line to unlock a door for three minutes. I, th- I think part of the problem was that, like, whereas he's always liked heavier music, it's so sudden when it happens yeah. here. Whereas you look at some of his other films, like Deep Red, specifically Deep Red and Suspiria, which use Goblin, who are a heavy prog rock act, to score the movie, where they're always kind of there. You know, which, you never it never feels weird when suddenly, very loudly, this this hard hitting music is hit, yeah. coming. That's one thing. But then all with this, it's like, and now here's an Iron Maiden song. <laughs> well, and, and so Deep Red is also one of the movies that I love the heck out of that mm. he did. But uh, definitely yeah, is the second best score in I, an Argento. I have film. to admit though, like the one thing that Phenomena has going for it is it has one of the more interesting behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Like I love that this is Jennifer Connelly's first movie, and I love that that she refuses to acknowledge ever working on this movie. That, yeah, that like the monkey apparently at the ending sequence, if they let that shot run three seconds longer, he bites the tip of her finger off. Oh like, my god! Uh, now. Th- that is what I heard. Uh, it was mentioned on another podcast. They were talking about like, like she. They kept telling her to get closer and closer and closer, and you just took the tip of her finger off, and that's one of the reasons why she doesn't talk about it. That, oh my god! One of the gooeyest, not actually gory scenes is when she falls into this pit of. I, I don't know how to describe Basically, it, the but, people's backyard and poltergeist yeah. after the coffins start coming up out of the ground. And or their swimming pool. She's in this pit for, I swear, like five minutes. Yeah. And by the end, I was like, just get out of the damn pit, please. This is gross. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. can't be healthy. <laughs> yeah, like, you have an idea how the infection she might you have? Get, you better go get a tetanus yes. shot, girl. <laughs> um, well... Regardless how you feel about this, and like I said, for some people, this is the their favorite Argento well, film, like, and I get it. There's a lot of very positive Argento things here and things to really love, but it's it never all comes together. Well, for see, me. like ultimately, like for, it is flawed as all hell, but I had a good time. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I I may have been texting my friends random shit that was happening on screen, uh, but like. 
I still had a great time watching the movie. Yeah, it's t- totally yeah. worth watching. I mean, yeah. I, I, it's not really till much later in Argento's career that he started making movies that I'm like, yeah, I can't even recommend watching that. They're just so bad. But uh, this one comes with a lot of extra features. Uh, there are two Blu-rays here, which have three different cuts of the film. There's the 83-minute United States very censored cut, which is known as the Creepers cut, because when it was originally released here, it was released under the title Creepers. Uh, there's a 110-minute international phenomenon cut, and then there's a 116-minute English-Italian hybrid uh, that's cut into HD. So you get like you can watch whichever version you want. If you're one of those hardcore fans, hey, it's all here. But that's not all. Uh, there is a audio commentary track from Argento scholar and author Derek Botello uh, and film uh, historian, journalist, and radio television commentator David Duval. There's two completely different sound mix options on the 110-minute version of Phenomenon, including the 2.0 original stereo mix, and then there's a rare alternate mix with different sound effects and music cues. There's the uh, English-Italian hybrid audio and complete Italian audio options for the 116-minute version. There is, and this is something I saw long ago when I was a kid. Somebody had a videotape of this, and I watched it. I must have watched it 30 times. Dario Argento's World of Horror, a documentary about his early work that is so thoroughly worth watching. Even though it's a TV documentary, it's kind of cheaply made. It's a, it's actually a really solid introduction to Argento, what his themes are that pop up a lot of his movies, his relationship of working with Goblin, a lot of stuff like that. And it covers Phenomenon, Suspiria, Demons, which he was a producer on, which I also highly recommend, uh, directed by Mario Bava's son, Lamberto Bava. Which is, that's the one in the theater, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that is an awesome movie. That is an awesome movie. Uh, Dawn of the Dead, which he was involved in the making of as well and in inferno and more really great that i mean i would buy this just to have the blu-ray copy of that documentary because it's a lot of fun there's an interview with uh musicians andy sex gang who have a song two songs in here uh the original theatrical trailer the original u.s theatrical trailer and radio spots uh and then of course subtitles and yada 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 um and yeah that brings us to the end of our show yeah yeah it was, it was a pleasure and i i'm i'm hoping to have or, less horror last next time? I'm not even going to say that. I'm just hoping to have more movies that make sense. I can't promise that. <laughs> I, can't, I, I admit, I have a weakness for movies that, that you're like, wait, what just happened? It just, I prefer when the good ones where you go, yeah. wait, I don't care. That was fun anyway. Yeah. It was cool. That guy's head got cut off and then exploded. <laughs> and, then it, and then it tried to go down on that girl. <laughs> <laughs> Reference last recording with Licking Aaron. Licking all the way down. <laughs> Us.net has been your one-stop shop for all things geek for years. But there's a side to them many of you have never heard. The subscription side. Subscribe and listen to great podcasts like The Breakfast Pub, The Original Gentleman, and the Watch a Movie With Us series. Head on over to oneofus.net and don't forget your towel.